0: Ephesians chapter number six, verse number 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. And you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then down in verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We have a precious gift here in the Word of God. It is a a, a precious gift. For most of history, if you think about it, people didn't have a copy of the Word of God uh, themselves. I mean, even after Moses and he Moses pins the first five books of our Bible. Even at that point, people didn't walk around with uh, a leather-bound copy of, of the scriptures um, you know, for just the last 500 years or so uh, that, that is a, a common thing for somebody to have a copy of the Bible for most of human history people didn't have the access to the word of God like, like we do and what a precious gift it is that we have here tonight to, to have the Bible God his goodness and his graciousness to us has given us his word in our language. He has given us access to it. He's given us the freedom to own it and to read it and to absorb it. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is that God uh, gives us encouragement from his word and has set up um, a way in which we can gather together and read this book together and to... um, preach from it and to teach from it and to receive his precious truths uh, as as balms for our soul, as um, encouragement, as as correction. God is surely good to us. what What a joy it is to have access to this word. And We can go through and and think of all the different ways the Bible blesses us um, and all the promises that are associated with it and all the truths we derive from it. But in in this context, whenever Satan attacks us, the child of God, when we are in the midst of struggle, in the middle of a, a spiritual battle, the Lord blesses us with the promises that are in his word. And prayer to persevere in the faith and to trust in Christ. And so this last piece of armor, this last piece of the armament, rather, is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So as we are in Christ, and that's what this armor is, I believe, us being united to Christ, that, that this is the gift that God gives to all of His people, um, that when we are in Christ, we have his righteousness, we have his truth, um, we are strengthened by his might. Lastly, we stand with his sword. And that's the first thing we want to consider tonight is the spirit sword. It is the word of God. Paul's telling us that as we walk as Christians, we have a great enemy, an enemy of our souls who would like nothing better for you to fall and to fail, he would he would like nothing better than to to cut you off from the company of God's people, to direct you out on your own, to to put you out, forgetting God's word and forgetting God's promises, to to knock the sword out of your hand, so to speak, and to get you out into the desert alone. We know from Matthew four that. Satan he did that to our Lord. While the Lord Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, while he was out in the desert alone, it was then that, that Satan came to tempt and to attack him. But what was the weapon in which the Lord used in, his, in this spiritual battle? Well, it was the word of God. He says it many times. It is written. It is written. The Lord himself goes back to the scriptures. Uh, the spirit, the Spirit's sword is a powerful weapon. And it's not that we have to be, the power doesn't come from the one wielding it, but the power comes in that it's the spirit sword. It is the sword of the spirit. Uh, we don't have to, you don't have to be a, a, a super Christian to benefit from the promises of God's word. That it's not my sword, it's not uh, your sword, it is the Spirit's sword. And so, as we take that up, we, take, we go in His power and in His might. We take the spirit sword, which is the Word of God. And as we are now in Christ, we are protected in that armor, and we have this powerful and mighty sword. It's the Spirit's power, not ours. It's a spirit sword, not ours. So we take up what God has given us. We take up the word of God. It's precious, not just out of, because of uh, uh, the literary value or the, the poetic way in which the Psalms are written and the, the, the stories that are, the histories that are told, but it is, it is powerful because it is God's word. It is God breathed. It is the inspired word of God. Remember whose sword it is. The value and the power is because it is the Spirit's. I was looking today um, at some famous swords of history. I just uh, was, was curious. It got me, think, as I was studying this, it got me curious about it. And I saw where um, Napoleon's sword, he, Napoleon carried a sword and a pistol into battle every time that he went. And, and he took his sword and and um, gave it to his brother for a wedding present. But it stayed in the family, and I think it sold in the 60s for $7 million, I think. Um, that, that It was a very uh, priceless piece of history. Well, that sword wasn't valuable um, simply because of the way it looked. There are, there are much more beautiful um, pieces of jewelry and so forth that you could find. There's probably better-looking swords that you could find. But the value... Came from who had it? The value was where it came from. Well, the, it's not that this book is is priceless because it's bonded leather, or uh, as the case in my Bible, or or leather you know, calf skin or goat skin or whatever the case may be. It is valuable because it is God's word, and it could be in a bound volume. It could be on your phone as you read it. It could be um, on the computer. It could be printed off on on printer paper. The value comes from who speaks the word and the power comes from the fact that it is God's word. Think about the power um, that we find in the word of God, in the spirit's sword. And so we're going to look at several verses um, for the rest of the message. Think about the, the spirit's power in regeneration. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed. We're not born again by uh, corruption, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This sword of the spirit used by God, the means by which we are brought from death into life. We weren't saved by some man's clever arguments. We weren't saved by uh, some sales pitch, but we were born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. This Word which liveth and abideth forever. Men come and go, but the Word of God endures forever. I saw another sword as I was looking at that. There was um, there's one as a Charlemagne's sword actually. And, um, this was I forget how many hundreds of years old it might have been close to a thousand years old if if memory serves but but um it was his sword, and it was broken in half, and they took the pieces of it and and forged another sword from the pieces of that sword and and um it's in a museum somewhere, but all these thousands of years it, it's still. Um, you know, it's not like it was once was, even though it's precious metal even though people have taken care of it and so forth, it has deteriorated. There's lots of ancient weapons where you just find pieces of them and, and, and small little um, small little sections of, uh, of a sword or a weapon because they, they don't last and they don't endure. but this sword will endure forever. This sword doesn't fade, it doesn't rust, it doesn't become outdated. We don't have too many swords out in battle now with the machine guns and IEDs and all those types of weapons. Um, this, this sword doesn't become outdated. We're not going to have to find some other type of weapon to fight our battles. But we see its power here in regeneration. That, that you can see its power by the fact that the Lord uses it to bring us from death into life. That's a powerful sword. On sanctification, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so not only does the Lord bring us from death to life, but the Lord sanctifies us through his truth. Through the preaching and the reading of God's word, the Lord conforms his people to make us more like him. We are sanctified, we're saved by God's grace, and we're sanctified by God's grace. And God uses the means of his word to do that. The same way that God uses the means of his word through the preaching of the gospel, through a fallible, frail human beings just telling you about Jesus. The Lord used that to to bring you from death into life spiritually. Well, in the same way God uses his word, in the same way to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. See, that's the folly of someone saying, well, I don't need to go to church because I already know know a lot, or I don't need to go to church because I don't get anything out of it. Well, that's denying the truth of what Jesus said. You're saying Jesus didn't know what he was talking about because Jesus said that you'll be sanctified through the truth, the renewing of your mind through the, the word of God. So through the means of the preaching, the gathered saints, to hear the word and to hear the word preached god takes his spe- his sword and sanctifies you makes you more like jesus he convicts you he encourages you he rebukes you we we have from the scriptures the assurance of our salvation we have the comfort of god so god does so much through his through his word um I'll just go look at one in the in the avenue of comfort. So let's look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We don't always know what to say to people. We don't always know how we can help. there sometimes you just don't there's nothing to say. But the word of God can can help us. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16. Well, verse 15, it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So stand fast in the word. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So this sword what did Paul say there in Ephesians? To stand. Remember how many times he said to stand, stand therefore having done all, stand. So we're standing against the wiles of the devil and he says, brethren, stand fast. So it's the same thing he told the Ephesians. Hold the traditions that you've been taught. Hold to the, the doctrines. Hold to what Paul has taught and hold the line. And now Our God, our blessed Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us, who's given us everlasting consolation, everlasting comfort, will comfort our hearts and establish us in the word and in the work. So, supernaturally, God comforts the hearts of his people. He establishes the hearts of his people through his word. This is the, the means by which the Lord has, has chosen to, to strengthen us. This is the way that God um, has ordained that he would bless his people. To, to gather together and to, to hear the word and to, to have the word um, renewed in our minds. To, to hear those uh, good promises of God over and over and over again. Why do we have to hear these pr- things over and over again so our hearts will be established because we'll forget because uh, we need our hearts to be comforted because we're prone to become discouraged. We need consolation because of the world which we live in. We need hope because of the sinful world that we live in. We need grace because of the, 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 the flesh that we we have we have to live in, right? So, the sword of the Spirit here is for our good, and God uses his sword in our lives to make us stronger. So in one way, the sword works on us. On one way, having the sword works in us a, a confidence and a, a courage and an assurance um, to, to press on in the fight. C.S. Robinson told a story, he said, of a mysterious sword, which had in its construction a kind of its own life. It was put in the hand of a coward in order to work its cure. When he tried to run away from the battle, it kept him right there in the front of the battle. Whenever he attempted to fling it from him, it clung to his grasp. Whenever he sought to slink it out of sight and hide the bright blade in the folds of his uniform, he would leap out from the scabbard and begin smiting the first foe he could touch. So here's a, a, a coward of a soldier. And he was given this sword. And he would take off running away, the opposite way from the battle. And that sword, he couldn't drop it. it would turn him around and put him right to the front of the battle. He'd throw it away and it'd come right back into his hand. He'd try to hide it and it would just pop right back out. So, so every which way he'd maneuver, It took him right to the heat of the battle. Well, by and by, he learned to put confidence in it. And he learned that he could never be beaten so as long as that sword was in his hand. Well, such a weapon is this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It will of itself fight, of itself conquer, and in the end defend and deliver every brave man who trusts it. Power is not in ourselves, but the power is in the Word. So we don't have to have confidence in our ability, but we have confidence, confidence in the Word. The, the very fact that we, we take in what God says and, and, and cling to the promises, the true revealed teaching of God's Word, not how we might want to twist it, but what God has really said. Well, that that in itself empowers us and, and strengthens us and, and works in us a good work. It sanctifies us. So the fact that it is the Spirit sword should should bless our souls tonight. Now, this is a tried and true sword. It's tried and true. There are many there are many weapons that uh, many weapons that. weren't tried before they went to battle. Um, I used to work for a guy, he, he fought, he was in the Army or Marines, one I can't remember, but he said that he was one that tested the uh, M16, or a version of it. And uh, they told him to go out there and just start shooting it. Well, he would just went out and, and started shooting, and um, he, didn't, he didn't realize that you're supposed to shoot it in bursts. And they may not have realized either since he was, he was testing. It hadn't been battle proven. And he said he just pulled the trigger and just started shooting. And um, he said that he noticed that the barrel um, started getting red. And um, he said that uh, if he had shot much longer, he, he might have m- melted the, the end of the barrel. He said it had gotten so hot. So he didn't realize that he, he had the it and burst and said he'd been in bad shape if he had taken that out to fought and just um, ruined his, his weapon. So it hadn't been tested yet. It hadn't been proven. Well, this is a tried and true sword. You might think, well, can I have confidence in this sword? Can I have? Can I go and, and talk to people about the word of God and, and, and have confidence that it won't be defeated, it won't be thwarted? Well, men and women have held proven and tested this sword for thousands of years men and women down through history have lived by this sword and they have died by this sword and they have have held it and they have held fast to it you can read through the history in the Bible of people who dedicated their lives to the promises of God Abraham packed up everything that he he knew and, and left his family on the promise of God Abraham trusted God and lived by the promises of God. David trusted God, lived by the promises of God and, and directed his life according to what God said. He had confidence to go and to fight the Philistine because he knew what God had done. and He trusted in his word and he trusted in his promises. Elijah had the confidence to pray that it would not rain for for upon Israel. Why? Because the promises of God had said that if they forsook him that he would he would stop up the heavens. He could pray such bold prayers that it would stop raining because he trusted in the promises of God. On through the scriptures we can we can see how men and women picked up the sword and they went to battle, went to war uh, for the Lord. Trusting and proving his promises, to be sure. There's men and women through history. You can go back and read of Baptist history and, and history of just the Christians in, this, in, this, uh, in our history that, that trusted their lives and their souls uh, to the word of God. And God never failed them. Men and women who, in our own lives, that you know and that you have known, who have lived their lives according to thus saith the Lord, and the Lord has never forsaken them. Men and women who died in Christ, who clung to the promises and the hope all the way to the end, with their last breaths clinging to the sword, wielding the sword in their last hours of of the last great temptation, holding on to the sword of the Spirit and to those great and precious promises. It's a tried and true, it's a tested sword. It's a sword for defense. So a sword, you can defend with it, you can go in the offensive with it. Um, either way, if somebody's attacking you, you can use that to, to block and then the counter attack. So Psalm 119, 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. So the psalmist said, I'm not going to sin so I can keep your word. That, that the, it was the sword that, that protected him in temptation. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He has kept that word. He has protected that word in Psalm 119.11. So in temptation, how did he fight in temptation? Well, my, thy word have I hid in my heart. It was the promises of God. Sometimes, whenever people are in temptation, they feel like they can't go to the Bible. They say, well, I'm not in the right frame of mind. I've got sinful thoughts in my mind, and and I have to clean up before I can go to pray, and clean up before I can go to the Word. Well, no. That's when we need the Word. That's when we need the sword. That would be like somebody uh, breaking into your house, and you, you pull a gun on them, and they say, oh, wait a second, wait a second, I don't believe in guns. I... I I don't think uh, people ought to have guns. I think you need to put that gun away because they're dangerous. I, I'm very anti-gun. Well, that'd be crazy to do that, wouldn't it? To, you, it, it? If you have a weapon to protect your home, protect yourself, why would you lay it down? Uh, because the enemy doesn't think it's fair. It doesn't think it's right. No, we have a weapon that cannot be defeated. So that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, is to lay your weapon down. If you've ever talked to anybody about evolution or any kind of cultural issue, and you bring the word of God to bear, and say, well, I don't really believe the Bible. you know, I don't think that that has a place here. Isn't that what the secularists like to do and like to say? Well, we're talking about education here. We, we have to leave the Bible out of it. We're talking about the education of our kids. We have to leave the Bible out of it. Lay down your sword and then come and, and wrestle with these spiritual issues, in other words. Well, no, we shouldn't lay down our swords. You know, that's, that's, what, they, that's what they tell kids. You can't talk about the Bible. You talk about everything else. We won't get into all the things that they can talk about in school. Oh, no, you can't talk about the Bible. No, it is a a sword of defense. It is a sword to protect us. And so we can't lay down the Bible. We can't lay down our weapon. When we're under attack, that's what we need. Psalm 119.78 says, Let the proud be ashamed, for they have dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let the proud be ashamed. Let them be defeated. Let their thoughts be defeated. But I will meditate in the word. I will, I will hold the, the sword. I will cling to the sword. Psalm 119, 41 says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Be merciful to me, God. Save me according to your word. Bring to my mind the things that are in your word, for I trust in your word. Don't take the word out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy word and in thy judgment. So when the psalmist was under attack, He prayed for mercy. He prayed for grace. And he said, help me hang on to the sword. Help me me to hold it up. Help me to to stand fast in your promises. When We're in affliction. Psalm 119.50. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. And there's Doubts. Remember the word of the, unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Psalm one nineteen forty nine. So when we're attacked spiritually, it is the promises of God. It is the word of God that is our defense to help us remember what God has done. Thomas Brooks has some, um, his book, uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, I think is what it's called. But he had some some helps in times of temptation. And uh, I wrote some of these down. One of them was to remember, he said, Satan will have us remember sin more than the Savior. And so what he meant by that was, whenever we sin. See, that's where our doubts come from and that's where many of our spiritual afflictions come from is because of our own sin. And so what Satan would have us to do is to lay down the sword and look inside and think about our sin more than the Savior. One man, um, I think it was Robert Murray McShane said that for every one look itself, you got to take 10 looks to Christ. There could be a morbid introspection where we're all the time looking inward and looking at our sins. And, you know, it's good to confess our sins. It's good to repent of our sins. But, but if you're just always looking inward and never looking to Christ, then, then you're remembering your sin more than your Savior. Pick up the sword and read of justification by faith that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness and that Christ is our propitiation. Remember who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Remember that when you are saved that you are free from the condemnation of the law. So that's one way when Satan has us to look at our own sins more than the Savior, to pick up the sword and, and, and look to Jesus. Doubts of salvation. You might doubt that God's working in you. Well, pick up the sword. Read how you were saved. You have doubts of salvation. And you say, well, I'm looking at my the fruit of my life. and And you start inspecting fruit. And you start... Um, looking inwardly and, and and saying, "Well, I'm not doing what this Christian's doing, or I'm not doing what this person in history is doing." And you look at other people, and you look at yourself, and you look at your sins, and you look at your works, and and, and you start to doubt. Well, pick up the sword and read how you were saved. How are you saved? By your works? Are you saved by being better than other people? You know, the, the sword says. On the hill to buy grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Pick up the sword and look and read how you were saved. How does God save people? He saves them by grace. And how does he keep us? Well, he keeps us by grace. The ground of our assurance is in the objective work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ground of our assurance. So we are comforted when we remember what Jesus did for us. That he died for us and he saves us by grace. Because we're never going to be able to keep the law, ever. But we don't have to because he kept it for us. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, um, Barnabas came to Antioch, and when he had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. So there was a bunch of people saved in Antioch, and, and the Church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas to go because they heard the tidings, and so um, he went to Antioch to, to sort of see what was going on, and he saw. The grace of God. So Barnabas saw the grace of God at work. Were these people perfect? No, they weren't perfect. The Lord had just saved them. Were they. What what did he see? He saw God's grace. And then what did he tell them to do? Cleave unto the Lord. Look to Jesus and cleave unto Jesus. Cleave unto the Lord. Trust in him. That was the, that, it says in verse 24, he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And then much people were added to the Lord. So here's a, a wise man, a loving man, a, a spirit-filled man, a man of great faith. And what did he preach? Cling to Jesus. Look to Jesus. That is the ground of our, he is the object of our faith. The grounding of our salvation and the ground of our assurance in the the work of Christ. Brooks went on to say in his book, the the Lord defines faith to be coming to God in Christ and often to a resting, staying, rolling of the soul upon Christ. So the Lord defines what faith is and that is trusting in what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when the child of God doubts, what, what are we tempted to do? Well, we're tempted to go and, and to look within. Right? So you doubt your salvation, you start looking within. Well, maybe I'm not doing enough, or maybe this or maybe that, and you start looking within. Well, where is the grounds of our assurance? Is it within? Are you safe? are you saved by yourself? Are you saved by your works? Are you saved by faith? You're saved by grace through faith. So where would our assurance be? Now, the Bible does say that your, your assurance can wane if you um, are living in sin. Second Peter 1 tells us that. because you, you for, And that happens, though, because you've, you stop looking at Jesus. And so, yes, your assurance can wane to the, to the point where you're doubting. But the answer is not to to pull yourself up, but to look to Christ. Assurance isn't salvation. Because assurance comes from faith, right? You can't be assured of something you don't have. You don't truly have. Therefore, you can't have faith without assurance. Or you can't have assurance without faith. So um, you can't be saved you can't, have, you can't be saved by your assurance, in other words. All right? So if you're going to be assured that you're saved, there has to be faith first. So we are not saved by our assurance. So, so take heart that even if there are doubts that come to mind, you are not saved by your assurance. You are saved by God's grace. And you, so the answer is to look to Christ, to come unto him and to repent and to turn and to turn to Him and trust in Him. It's also a sword of offense. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So we can go forward in our lives with the word of God. We can defend against Satan's attacks with it. But take up the sword. Take up the sword. It will cut through heresies. It will exhort and convince. Jesus said in Mark 12, have you not read? Right? People came to ask him questions. He said, you don't know the scriptures. You wouldn't ask me these questions if you knew the scriptures. Um, Titus one nine. Paul told Titus to... To, to preach the word, to know sound doctrine, to, to defeat and convince the gainsayers, to exhort God's people. Take up the sword as it will reveal the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It will slice to pieces worldly wisdom. It will cut down the idols of this world. The sword can lop off the head of doubt can strike through heretical teachings. This is the sword that we have. This is our weapon. Uh, David was a mighty king, and he had a powerful band of elite soldiers. And the Bible calls him David's mighty men. You read about him in 2 Samuel 23. And one of them was Eleazar. Um, and Eleazar fought um, against the Philistines and it says that he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave into the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to spoil. So Eleazar fought and he fought a great, mighty victory. And he fought till his hand started to cramp. And he fought until his his. His hand had cramped up so much that he couldn't drop the sword. He couldn't open his fingers um, and, and release the sword. It, it had become a part of him. That's the way you, you and I ought to be with God's word. That we have to cling to the promises of God with, such, with all that we have to cleave unto him until the, the hand, our hands so to speak, cramp up and, and we can't drop it. We couldn't drop it even if we wanted to. to. To hold on to God's promises. Hold fast to Christ. Hold fast to His Word. And I read the, the last verse about prayer. And we're praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. These things go hand in hand. The, like I said, it's not an internet, inter, intellectual exercise, but it's the sword of the Spirit. And so with this spiritual book, we need to take it with prayer, praying that the Lord would bless us, praying that the Lord would sanctify us, praying that the Lord would, would open our eyes to the law, that we may see the wonderful, wonderful things in the law, that we can continue and watch in prayer Um, that we can pray for the Spirit's guidance, take the sword of the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit, not just for ourselves, but for one another. The armor of God, in in closing here, the armor of God is not for long-ranger Christians. It's not for knights in shining armor who would ride out to do battle on their own and, and St. George's slain the dragons by themselves. The armor of God in the context of Ephesians were, was written to Christians in the local church. Ephesians chapter 4 is all about the church and, and dwelling one another, dwelling together in the church. And you got Ephesians 5 talking about um about the the church. And then Ephesians 6, I don't think he just talks about something else, but I believe that through the context of the whole book, he's talking about the uh, the church, you know, that we're saved and then we're we're blessed and unto him be glory in the church, it says in Ephesians 3. So this armor is not for us just to, to for our own selves, but to protect one another, to bless one another, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the pastor, teacher, and the purpose of that is to, to bless, to, to, that the church will grow, be edified, we wouldn't be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Well, Why, does, why is there even a position of pastor? It'd be a pretty useless position if I was the only one over here. Uh, <clears throat> during the pandemic, um, they asked me to, somebody asked me to preach a uh, preach a, a conference on the internet. And uh, it was just me and I was sitting in the kitchen and I had Crystal's phone sitting up there. And I was just looking at that phone. I felt silly. There wasn't anybody there. There wasn't anybody in the, in the room. I, and I had no idea if anybody was watching or not. It's talking to myself, I felt like. It'd be a pretty silly thing for me to come over here by myself and preach to empty pews. Well, what is the purpose? What, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't have a purpose if, if you weren't here. It is for your benefit. So God, had, God blesses me in the study of the word for, for your benefit, for, for your good. The sword is wielded tonight for your benefit, and for your good. And so whenever you read your Bible, it is for the good of others. And and when we take up the armor, it is to to come together as one another and fight for one another and to, to lift one another up and to bear one another's burdens and to love one another, to pray for one another, because that's what Paul says there. He says, pray for me. Pray for me as I go preach. Pray for me as I minister. So... Remember the, the, the context of that armor of God. It is for us as individuals, but it is for us as individuals to, to love and to serve our Lord and to love one another. Don't think of the armor of God as a solo mission, but a gift and resource uh, and, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ being in Him and living uh, with His people for God's glory and the good of one another. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word tonight. And I pray that the Lord has blessed you in this house.